So good evening. Good evening. Well, hello. Amen. The little baby said, ah! So praise God. We're glad to see you. Amen. Uh, it's going to be a good evening, and uh, thank you for being here. There is a number of people at the, uh, at the fair tonight loving on people and giving out water. I literally just uh, got off a plane and drove here and um, haven't been here but about an hour or so, a little bit more than that. So I'm uh, been traveling all day, and I'm, I'm ready to preach, and then I definitely will be ready to go to bed, and uh, it'll be awesome, but it was a great trip, and uh, God really moved, and it was glorious, and uh, he always, he's so awesome, God is so awesome, is he not, and uh, just praise God, so let's turn to uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6. I think, uh, I think we have this week and next week in uh, the humility and grace. We'll see. I, I, I really hesitate saying that nowadays. Just don't say it. Yeah, don't say how many we have left. But uh, last week, the Lord just was giving me something, and it could have been for one person or it could have been for all of us, but it definitely seemed to be him. And uh, we've been talking about humility and grace. And James 4, 6 says, but he gives a greater grace. Amen? Amen. All right. Greater grace. Amen. I like it. Amen. Greater grace. Let's <laughs> see how long we can go with this. This would be awesome. So it says, therefore, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so the context here is no matter what your problem is that you're facing, there's a grace that will beat it down. Amen? That's what grace will do to a problem. It'll take care of it. It'll, it'll handle it. I feel like Jesse right now. Uh, just, hey, I, got some, I got some stuff. Uh, I got some friends. And they will handle your issue for you. <laughs> we'll make them an offer. <laughs> you know. So there's a greater grace. That's what grace will do to your problem. But not everybody walks in grace just because it's available. You walk in grace because you choose to be in the places where grace is poured out. One of those places where grace is poured out, one of the main ways to get into grace is to humble ourselves. When we're born again, part of the saving grace that we receive is because we humble ourselves to the need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own. I need somebody. And Jesus says, I'm him. And we, re we humble ourselves, receive him as a person that can't do it all. We receive him because we don't have it within us to save ourselves. So it's, in other words, saying, I need you. I was wrong. I need you. This is humility. And then he receives uh, Jesus. And then humility also looks like, praise God. I'm now born again. My sins are washed away. They are no more. God does not remember them. They're as far away as the east is from the west. I am not just a sinner anymore, but I am saved by grace, and I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm God's righteousness through Jesus Christ. That's also humility. So humility is just basically seeing what God says and then saying that. Humility is not, oh, I'm so awful. That's not humility. That's false humility. Okay? 
That's just, you don't have to be lowly to be humble. When it speaks of being lowly, it's saying that I understand that without God, I'm nothing. But with him, I'm everything in him. Through him. That's what humility says. Humility is going to say whatever God says about you. He says you are seated with him in heavenly places. That's awesome. And that's humility. Okay. So, let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. When we get into humility, all of a sudden, we move into the places of grace. And not just grace, but greater grace is poured out. Greater than our problems. The grace of God. The power of God. The love of God. Well, this, this chapter here, at least the first half of it, is kind of like, uh, as I'm reading through it, I'm like, man, this is all talking about humility. And let's just read these first two verses first. It says, and what these first two verses are saying is basically, if this thing that we're talking about, if this Christianity stuff is really for real, then I'm about to ask you to do something. That's what these verses are. So it's, it's basically saying, if this stuff that we've been discussing, this stuff we preach about, this stuff that we're supposed to be living, if it's real, then we have something to do. Okay, so let's read this. Uh, verse 1, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, is there encouragement in Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he's the God of hope, so we can take hope and not fear. Hope and not worry. Hope and not anxiousness. You, okay? All right, so, here, if there's any encouragement in Christ, there is encouragement in Christ. If there's any consolation of love. Has God consoled us with his love? Oh man, has he? And if you don't know that, it's there for you. You might not know how to move into all of it, but it's already been given uh, in the fullness of it. If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, what a, what a great verse. We know we have the Reset series, you know, and it's talking about intimacy with God. What is it talking about? An intimate fellowship. In other words, in case you didn't know it, God says there is a fellowship in the Spirit. This is is what he's getting at. Here's some proof of it. By the way, if you want uh, these notes and the particular translations we're in, uh, you can go to boomerangchurch.org slash notes and look at humility and grace. And then if you're pulling those up, we're at like page 10. (laughs) Yes, one zero. All right, amen. So, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, is there affection and compassion in Christ? Yes, there is. If there is, verse 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. In other words, you're not just supposed to be walking in these things. If this stuff is real, you've got something to do. There's something you need to be doing. All right? And so let's, it says, then do this. This is, this is what it's saying. Then do this. Verse 3. Do nothing 
Um, you know, it doesn't say some of the time. It says, do no thing, nothing. That means never, ever, 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 ever. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. You know, we read this verse and we're like, yes, amen, yeah, woo, yeah, good stuff. Preach it, brother, amen, right? But the problem is, man, we'll get in tomorrow's business and be like, why are they bothering me? I can't believe it. And we're right in selfishness, even though we amended it just last night. We'll get right in it. I don't have time for that. They're bothering me. Don't they know, you know? They, they shouldn't have treated me wrong. I'm a child of the king, I tell you. Mm, mm, mm. And, and so we'll amen it on one day, and yet tomorrow, you know, see, this is why we need to not only hear this again and again and again. You know, have you ever been told not to sin? Anybody ever been told not to sin? How many of you still sinning? <laughs> oh, so you didn't get it the first time you heard it, or the first hundred, or the first three hundred. Guess what? we got to hear this. In order for us to renew our mind, what we've got to do is we've got to allow ourselves and humble ourselves to hear the word again and again and again. And again, you know, I can't tell you how many problems I've gone through. And I could have told you the answer in theory, but in reality, I was not living it out yet. And, and a lot of the times what I've come to is I did not humble myself to think that I had that problem. And so I'd hear preaching about it. Amen, brother. Yes, good stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, I still do it. Preach it, brother. Preach it, brother. Amen. It's, it's, an, it's humility or a lack thereof that's the issue. It, it really is. So it's saying do nothing from selfishness. And, and so we can sit here and, and, you know, I believe that y'all are some mature Christians. I do. I believe that y'all are growing faster than anybody else I see around. And, and if you're not, that's prophetic. You're growing faster than anybody else around in Jesus' name. You're, receive it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. But yet we all still do stuff that's selfish. And he told us to do nothing. So are we really humbling ourselves to that? In other words, to get to that place, we really kind of need to have like an intervention of humility that says, like, I need, I, need, I need to like completely back away from how I'm doing life and rethink everything. That's humility. That's where greater grace is. That's the problem. People just keep, you know, the, the insanity, the definition of insanity, you know, keep doing the same things, expecting different results. And yet we'll, what we'll do is we'll like, well, well, I'll just tweak this one thing and won't get mad when somebody pulls out in front of me. Yay me, super Christian. <laughs> you know, right? But 
what we don't do is actually back up and reevaluate our whole life. How did I get here in the first place? I need to look at all of this. I need to look at everything I do. Some, you know, somebody give me an example of something where you've, if you're not too, too embarrassed by it and not, you know, you, you don't have to make it massive, but where you've messed up, <laughs> where you've messed up recently and been selfish, somebody tell me an example. Maybe, I, I, let's put, you saw somebody do it. <laughs> let's not, you didn't do it, but you had a friend. Let's do it that way. Anybody had a friend that did something selfish? Yes. It really, it, when you say that, then everybody's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Here. Everybody knows that I tend to go to McDonald's <clears throat> way too often, and there's a double line, and, and they know me too. Um, there's a double line, and you know you have to have courtesy with the other person to to you know let them go, right. you go, and it's required. Otherwise, there's a reg. Yeah. And and so you know you had made the comment about the the logos on the back of our vehicles, and I saw an elevation bumper sticker on this minivan oh, no. and I mean it was ugly I thought they were going to get out and start fighting we we saw a sticker that was high on there it was elevated it wasn't it wasn't that other church it was elevated on the window yes okay go on <laughs> we're not I, naming that yes okay, amen well, praise god uh, maybe I read it <laughs> anyway I was like wow because you know it I could see myself doing the same thing but you know, but they were like, I, I don't want to be advertising Boomerang Church when I do it. And they just simply wouldn't wait on the other person to go. They wanted to go first. They, they pushed get, in. Yeah, they wanted to get their order paid for and bought and out before the other person did. And I honestly thought I was going to see one of them get out and start, you know. Oh, start wow. Something. And um, I was like, wow. And it really made me check myself and think, hey, you know what? Is, is that 30 seconds that important? Right. And, all right, good. So here's the situation. So you got somebody who basically jumps in front of somebody else. You know, uh, my dad used to have a saying, and I'm not sure it's, it's probably not appropriate to say it in here. Actually, my grandfather had a saying, but it said, he, he, said, um, he said basically, and, and I'll let, he said there's no right of way in Hades, right? There's no right of way there because, and, and the point of that was, you know, you got a guy walking down the street and he steps out into the road. Well, who has the right of way on the road if there's a pedestrian? The pedestrian has the right of way, but if he steps out into a highway, that's just stupid. And he can claim, uh-uh, you can't hit me, I got the right of way, and then, boom, 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 you know, and that was where the statement came from. So a lot of times I see people make an, an example. The reason I use that is people will think that they have the right to do something. And they will, you know, so let's take that example in the McDonald's drive through They're pushing their way in there. All right, so first of all, why do they think they have a right to do that? What makes you think that you have a right to do that? We've been taught that, you know, you got to take, right? Well, who taught us that? The world taught us that. Who taught the world that? It wasn't God. It wasn't God. 
And so here's the other thing. And what are they really trying to do? I mean, what are they really trying to do? Are they trying, uh, are they, they're, what they're really trying to do is get their food first, yeah. which is going to save them how many seconds? You know, maybe a minute, maybe, maybe. A lot of times it's seconds. So in other words, one minute for you to turn from a potential witness into a jerk. And it cost you, you know, you gained a minute by to be a jerk, basically. Well, yeah, and that advertising, that's even worse. But here, here's the thing. So, and a lot of times, you got to understand this too. You reap what you sow. So if I'm going to take a minute from somebody else, then what, what happens later on? And the devil knows it, and he'll apply it in that situation. Well, he'll hold you up at ten different places. Because you just you're reaping what you sowed. He you've given them you've given the devil now a right to intervene and steal time back from you. But see, this says do nothing from selfishness. And here's the other part of it. And you say it almost caused a fight. So in other words, this taking of a minute from somebody else, which that's really what it is. I'm I'm going to take this over you. Because the world's taught me to do this, that wasn't God teaching me to do this. I'm going to take it, and now all of a sudden, you know, have you ever anybody ever been in a wreck? And you're and I, I've been in several early on, and uh, I, and I always had this thought: thirty seconds, just thirty seconds difference, and I wouldn't be in this mess, you know. Just one small decision, and I wouldn't be in a fight with the car behind me. You see what I'm saying? So, in other words, you may have a right to do something. You know, sometimes, I, and I'll, I'll be this way, and, and man, this, this was a major change. This was humility for me, y'all. Y'all need to be like, you know, praising God for this. Because at one point, I was like, oh, there's a car coming. Uh, I got 10 feet that I can pull out in front of him. What? You know, and I'd be gone, you know, and I'd be in front. Why? Because I had to have that, you know, one second that I could save by not letting him go in front of me. And eventually I had to say, you know what? You know, because here's the whole other side of that. Why are you doing that? Why are you trying to grab all that time? And here's the major reason for that. Because you're fearful. You're fearful that if I don't snatch every second, then my God cannot provide for me the rest of the day. It's based in fear. In other words, everything that you receive comes back to you. So now look at it. it you know, we see it as somebody cutting somebody off in a drive-thru, but how many spiritual problems were there in that moment? So what this takes is you're talking about a plethora of spiritual issues. And then we're wondering why the world is where it is when we have Christians that haven't even considered or thought through this stuff. And what is it going to take to back that down to where the person goes, oh no, please, jump in front of me. I mean, is it, I mean, how much it cost you maybe a minute, but you didn't have fear, you didn't have selfishness. You didn't have the anxiety. You didn't almost get in a fight. You didn't give a bad witness. Now, I'd rather sit back and let somebody go in front of me. 
uh, you know, 10,000 times, then take it once. Because that's God. But in order to rethink that mindset, I mean, because now what we're talking about is not just uh, uh, on the time, uh, at the moment, thought. We're talking about a habit. And in order to reverse a habit, you've got to humble yourself to completely intervene, have an intervention with yourself and the Holy Spirit, and come back to the moment and say, why do I think that way? Why do I operate that way? Why do I let people get under my skin? Why don't I just give them the lane, the, the time? The, why don't I just give? And the answer comes back to, I, I, I really don't know God the way I thought I did. I, I really don't, am not as you know, um, renewed in my mind as what I thought. I'm really not as religious as what I thought. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, if any of this stuff, if Christianity is real, then, then do something. There's some things you need to do. And the very first thing he says is, do no thing from selfishness. And you've got to go back to all this. You've got to, you, you, you've got to understand that that person pushing forward in a lane like that, great example, that was the perfect one for this. Somebody pushing forward in a lane, is that is a foundation that was built probably all the way back in their childhood that their parents taught them how to do it first, but then the devil in their adult life multiplied, amplified, and made them mad if somebody challenged them. Yeah. Completely outside of humble. And then they wonder why they don't have any grace. God, and then they'll get mad at God because there's no grace in their life. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So this is some real stuff. You know, it, now, see, we think we're just talking about cutting somebody off in the lane, but you're not. This is real Christian character issues and it's at the root that's why you want to do it that's why people want to take that moment instead of if they really have it according to God what's going to happen is they're going to go oh here's an opportunity to give could it really be that simple that we could just be giving all the time yeah, and, and so now, what are you sowing? Love. And what are you reaping? Your problem solved. Grace. Humility. If Christianity is real, then do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. And so my point in this is, this, this is what I really want you to see right here is, we really do need to have an intervention between us and the Holy Spirit and back down and see why do we do those things. Now, and this is, this is something that I'm going to throw out there, and some of you might not be ready for this yet, but, but you know, it, it might not. Just, just take your time, seek the Lord. He'll tell you whether you're ready or not. But, but an accountability partner, like, 
generally your spouse is really good at this, um, ask them a question like, you know, where are some areas where you think I'm selfish? Like I said, you might not want to ask that right yet, but, but if you ever feel you know, bold and, and brash and, and, and in authority in Christ, feel like you can handle it, ask your spouse. <laughs> Maybe just ask you know, them, where am I selfish? Where do you see me being selfish? Pretty sure they could list one or two. You know, just, you know, probably, probably a good idea. You know, ask, ask that question. Do you realize this is really humility that's willing to be told that they've been messing up? This is humility. Because they'll see things that you don't see. And here's the other thing, that we are supposed to abstain from the appearance of evil. So let's say that what they say is wrong. They just missed it. But their perception is still that. In other words, even if I'm not doing it, they think I am. Which means I'm already crossing something else. Crossing another commandment. So it's worth to ask those questions. You know, when we first started learning about the word and confessions and how we choose life or death is by choosing what we say. Death, or li- death and life are in the power of the tongue. Deuteronomy 30 tells us to choose. I set this day before you, life and death. Choose life. And then in Proverbs it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, how do you choose life or death? You choose it by the things that you say. And so when we first stepped into that uh, and we started understanding the importance of what we say and and because what you say is coming out of the abundance of your heart. So it's not just what you say. It's what's in my heart. What's really in my heart? Is what's in my heart death or is what's in my heart life? Because you're going to be saying what's in your heart. What's at the core of who you are. And so when we first started learning about that, we had to decide, we had to figure out that if we were going to have life, we had to get life in our heart, in the core of who we are. And the most easy way to see if we had life at our core, a mind renewed, was to watch what we say. But the problem with that is you don't realize what you say. You don't realize just how much death you're talking. You don't realize how much death you're thinking, how much death is at the core of you until you get you an accountability partner that will start noticing every time that you say the wrong thing. But if you'll humble yourself to that, Nicole and I did that for, it probably took us a good year before we actually had changed what we said. And in that process, we started to change what we thought and what we believed and what was at the core of who we are. We need an intervention with ourselves, but we can also strengthen one, one another. Iron sharpens iron. But you have to be willing to, you know, when I say, Man, this is just going to be the death of me. I'm so sick and tired of this job. And, and then your wife go, <laughs> really? <laughs> it's going to be the death of you, huh? And then you go, oh, golly, I can't believe I said that. And not get mad at them for something you did wrong. That takes humility 
That takes humility. Yeah. You know? And then she'd be in the living room. You know? Abigail, get off that couch. You're going to fall off and break your neck. It's going to break her neck, huh? Nope. I mean, I mean, be smart while you're up there, you know, and change what we think. Change life. You know, you're prophesying into your children and into your life and into your home. And, but here, here's my point. It's hard for us to see the habits that we have formed, that life has formed in us and the foundations if we don't have somebody else with, that has some revelation that's willing to lovingly look into our lives and say, hmm, eh, that's an issue. But it takes humility to be told that's an issue in your life. But if you really want to start growing, get an accountability partner on these things. Get somebody that'll be willing to point those things out. You know, one of the strengths that Nicole and I have is we've been doing this with each other for almost 15 years now. Because we were both more willing to grow in God than we were desiring to not be corrected. That's humility. That's where grace lives. A lot of people are like, I don't know how you got to the place that you got. I don't know how you do operate that way and do that kind of stuff because we were willing to be humble for years. You know, and, and we, we set a precedent. You know, we would point it out, but we wouldn't nag and we wouldn't just carry on and on and on about something. You know, we, it wasn't an argument. It was just a, hey, uh, there's something. Hey, there's something. It started with our speech, but then it kind of carried into other parts of our life. You know, I'll, you know, the other week she did something, and it was something really little, but I just asked the question, you know, uh, why did you do that? What was the purpose behind that? And that was all I had to say. And all of a sudden, you know, she's like, ah, oh, I'm a, I, um. I think it was something she had done, and, and the Lord prompted me. I, I saw an issue, issue there, and I just said, did you, did you seek the Lord when you bought that? You know, did you seek the Lord on that one? She said, I, you know what, I didn't. And, but that's the kind of stuff that will help us sharpen each other. She didn't take offense at it. I mean, it wasn't even an issue. She probably took, I, I just now remembered it, but it probably took her thinking to remember what it was. But it's just sharpening each other. And, and this is what is great between a spouse, but you can also do it between parents and children and, and everything. But the, the issue is, in order to break up some of the wrong foundations that have been put inside of us since our childhood, you've got to be willing to really get in there and examine the roots of who you are. And most people are scared of that. But we got to understand that if God is highlighting it to us, then I am burying talents if I don't. And this is not well done, good and faithful servant. This is bad servant. Wicked servant. I don't want to be wicked. I don't want to be bad. I don't want you to have that response from Jesus. I want well done, good and faithful servant. But it takes humility that'll say, "Man, I gotta, I gotta take a look at me. 
And you know what? You're here, you're here on a weekday night listening to the Word, trying to refine yourself. You know how many people are doing that today? Not too many. You're already in the upper echelon of people that are going after God, right? Yeah, it's true. It's, it's not, but, it, you know, there's a verse that says this, you ought not think too highly of yourself. So just because you're here doesn't mean that you are the highest of the high in the eyes of Christ. It might mean that you're doing better than other people, but so what? Because we've been pretty bad for quite some time. It really doesn't matter how many people we beat. It matters what does Christ think. And here's the thing. All of us, even though you're here, you're growing, you've been growing, you've been on this path for quite some time, and, and man, you, you, know, you should feel good about growing in the Lord, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to stop and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have an intervention all the way down to the core of who we are on a regular basis. Actually, it kind of means that you should start right now. You know, it really means that we should get in on that as soon as we recognize it's an issue. Have you ever heard of, um, boy, we are getting through our scriptures, aren't we? This is, wow. And uh, have you ever heard that, that place where somebody goes, Man, I'm not paying. I'm not gonna pray for patience, cause I'll get it. I'll get tested in my patience, right? I've heard people make that. Man, you you ever wanna pray for something? Don't pray for patience. My goodness, God'll He'll teach you patience, or wisdom, or anything else. Because why? The Lord will open up a door, and all of a sudden. Man, I'm in the gym working on patience. Working, I don't want to do that because then that's going to, that's going to cause me to have to work out. I, I'm going to have to grow my spiritual muscles. Yeah. What? Wait, hold up. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I hear people saying that, but they mean it. They're like, uh-uh, don't pray for patience. Uh, the quicker you pray for patience, the quicker you will build up those muscles so that you don't have to go through that junk again. And you'll be who God's called you to be. So don't be the kind of people that are putting off the discipline and discipleship of Christ. That's what that is. And it's a lack of humility towards what he told us to be, to be disciples of him. It's a lack of humility saying, uh-uh, I don't want challenges to who I am. I don't want challenges to my foundations because I just don't know. Look, God's not going to open up more to you than you can handle. Right. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's where, again, we've got to trust God more than we trust even our ability. Yeah. All right, Lord, I'm giving you myself. I know you need to have an intervention on this, right? I know, I know there's some stuff need cleaning and fixing, and it ain't right. And, and Lord, I'm scared. You know, and this is really the issue. I'm scared it's going to be too much. I'm scared. I'm scared you're going you're gonna to find stuff in there that I don't want you to see. Pull up that uh, chisel video. I'm scared you're going to find something in there that, that I don't want to know about and I don't, definitely don't want you to see. And oh, good gracious, I don't want anybody else to see. 
You know, we just went through a time, but this, you know, we just went through a time as a church, I'm going to tell you about in just a second, but here, here's the thing. You got to say, Lord, I trust your love more than my fear. Yes. You're worthy of trusting over my fears. Yes. If God's not that, then why do you even call him God? If he's not bigger than your fears, then what's the point in serving him? But he is worthy of serving and letting him love on us, even over our fears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Morris had a story that he had. He, he said he had a past before he met his wife, and he was just uh, living this life that was really... He said he just... He had this past that was lingering in his life. And it was not good, not a good past. And he said, and uh, he said he went to the Lord and he, just, he felt like he was living a double life because he was living the Christian side of it, but still he was living under some condemnation of his past. And uh, he said, you know, he said... Lord, I, just, I, want, I want you to get rid of this. I don't know what to do with this guy that I was. I, and the Lord said, you want me to fix that? You want me to take care of that? He said, I do, I do. He said, then take out a piece of paper. And I want you to write down everything that you've ever done wrong that you can remember. He said, and I wrote this list and, you know, I did not make a copy of it. You know, it was, I did not, this is what he said. He said, I did not put my name on it. And, it, and it was, there were some horrible things. And he said, uh, you know, he got and he wrote down all these things. And he says, all right, Lord, here's, here's the list. And it's that list that he didn't want anybody to know about. And he said, I'm thinking, he said, he said, Lord, I, he said, I, I want this gone. I want it just gone. He said, and I thought the Lord was going to be like, okay, burn it, and it's done. It's gone. He said, but I don't know what he said. He didn't say burn it. He said, okay, now take it to your pastor and show it to him and ask him to pray over you. He's like, Lord, I don't... I don't want to show him this. This is awful stuff. He said, but I went to my I did want it over. I was tired. I'd, I'd, I was tired of going in circles. I wanted it over. He said, I took it to my pastor and he said, this is the real me. It's not how I'm trying to live today, but this, this has been me. This, is, this was me. This is the real guy. And the stuff that I did. And his pastor took it. And he looked at it. And he gave him love. He said, and a few days later I, I woke up. And everything was different. And I was free. I was free. And there's, a, there's scripture that talks about that. About confessing. But what, you're, what I'm talking about is the ability to see your junk even the stuff that you don't know about right now and to let it go but you've got to you've got to you know what you try to hold in the dark is going to hold you captive but what you bring to the light of Christ
he will set you free from. Yeah. And you know, he was talking about being honest. And, and the stuff that you try to hold and keep away from everything, it, it will hold you bound. Well, this is why greater grace can be given to humility. This is it because, you know, when we start doing that kind of stuff, not, not just talking to me alone, but just getting humble before God, all of a sudden there's a power that's released. You know, it says if we'll confess our sins one to another, there's a power. Those sins will be forgiven and, and the, their bodies will be healed, you know. There's a power that's released in a humility and an honesty. You know, we just, we just preached a couple of weeks ago about this is a new day for boomerang. And it's a new day that's awesome. I cannot tell you how excited I am about where we're going and what's going on right now, what's happening just in the past month, the just changes that have happened. But it's a new day, and yeah, it's awesome. It is a new day, but it didn't just become, become a new day because we just turned calendar pages. It became a new day because two years ago we preached on unity and pruning. And this whole year we preached on get real, be the light. What really are we supposed to be doing in church? Go all in. I, it, it became a new day in Boomerang because we humbled ourselves and said, Lord, are, what are we doing wrong? That's why grace came to become a new day because we had an intervention with God and we opened ourselves up and we weren't fearful of going through the process of God's cleaning. But we took hope in the middle of this process and said, you love me more than my fears. You love me more than our problems. I trust your love over my issues. Let's watch this video. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're in essence, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a, a Picasso, you know? But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you just said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. You know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God... Who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. I gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, yeah. um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Yeah. 
How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other went away, but this, I mean, I've tried exercising, I've watched what I ate, I even did Pilates for a while, that was awkward. But if you could chisel, right, I mean, right? Can I talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel, No, talk, no, 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 chisel. chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right. You have a lot of anger. Ow! Some pride. Ow! Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow! You're lazy. <clears throat> but you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Okay. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Um, maybe, maybe we can take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me! Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, Oh, you're holier than thou. Why would you do that? You know, I mean... So what you're doing right now is you rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out. We'll come back to right? it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control. No, no, chisel! chisel. Here we go. No, can, can we chisel where I want that? That's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? Yeah. <clears throat> it hurts. It hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Ow! I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school, that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. Yeah. No, 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 okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe Your we could... Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could... are not my ways. Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Uh, uh, what? Nothing. What is it? No, you wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, and don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. All right. Just... Just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and it is this, this scared little kid 
who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult, but I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's... than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? This is a page from, from a journal I had when I was younger. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie Holland. Other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Oh, oh yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible, but I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. The way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you. But the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. So let's just bow our heads. You know, to become the masterpiece he empowers us to be that he's created us to be. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're in essence his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece. In order for us to be his masterpiece, the Lord leaves it up to us 
to allow him to intervene. The intervention begins with our decision to let him chisel on us like that video. The intervention, the getting right, the becoming beautiful, the empowering to be everything that God called us to be is when we say, Lord, I love you more than I love my flesh, more than I love my past, more than I love who I thought I was. Lord, I love you more. So right now, I just want you to, I just want you to, as you're bowing your head, just ask the Lord, seek your heart. What is God telling me right now in this message tonight on humility and grace? How is he showing me to get to more grace by humbling myself? What is he asking me tonight to humble myself? He's probably talking to you. He's probably laid something on your heart. He's probably put something in your mind that you're going, no, 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 that's just me. That couldn't be God, and yet it is. And the important thing for us to do is to not hear a good message and just say amen, but to hear a good message and do something with it. To allow the power and the anointing that's in a message to strengthen us, to, to be an impartation, to strengthen us to be able to start making the changes. To strengthen us to truly open up the door to God so that he can empower us to change. So I ask you to do with what God's given you and put on your heart tonight. To humble yourself to his leading, to his voice. To humble yourself to his love and make the change. Do the action that he's leading you to do. If you've got questions about it, just let me know. If you need to talk to me, just talk to me. If you need to talk to him, just talk to him. He knows how to tell you what you need to do. What I love about that video was we saw that just how easy it is or should be to talk to God. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be these and thous. Just talk to him like he's, he is the friend that he really is. But whatever he's leading you to tonight in humility, allow him to intervene so that you can become more and more his masterpiece that he created you to be. Lord, I just ask that you would empower them, that you would show your wisdom to us and empower us to open up the door wide to you and slam it on the devil and on this flesh. Let us humble yourselves and move into the places of greater grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great night.